Greetings. This is the YWAM Factor, a podcast about a youth with a mission team in the 1980s. Join us as we relive our adventures and talk about what God did during that time, what we learned, and how those experiences affect our lives now. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe. Now, on to the podcast. Well, welcome back to the Y Factor. Jay and Alan are here for your listening pleasure. (laughs) Uh, Or for our talking pleasure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, So, um, just uh, we thought we'd we'd start off by very briefly recapping what we talked about last last week. Um, We talked more about our journeys, our personal journeys, to uh, getting into YWAM Japan. I think people will be encouraged to know that for I think for both of us, we were so young. Yeah. But for both of us, the group of people that we're going to be talking about and our and one another, we were so important in in our own development and growth. Right. right. This period that we're talking about is is just foundational. It laid really the the platform that, that everything else has been built upon or, yeah. or crumbled upon <laughs> crumbled upon <laughs> uh, well you know in in the states anyway there's the there's a big emphasis on people finding themselves and finding themselves in universities and colleges mm-hmm. you know and often that does not go well <laughs> yeah. and and <laughs> and uh, people end up doing things or getting in trouble or, or doing things they regret later, that sort of thing. Uh, I feel like I grew up overseas in, in our little team of people, yes. and I found myself in that. And yes. that was, uh, that. I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. And I've often shared with people and said how wonderful it is to develop as a Christian in a cross-cultural context. Yeah, because because you learn stuff that you just will never learn in a church. Right, exactly. In your hometown, and you'll never learn. I mean, there's there's certain theological things too that come with a culture, and yes. when you cross cultures, <coughs> excuse me, and you uh, meet people that have had different Christian experiences, it opens your eyes to things, mm. and yeah. that's just been a. Uh, that was just really good. So, so we, okay. So we got to Japan then, and we started meeting people. We got into our our apartment where there were no, there was no furniture or anything, yes. right? Yeah. Although we we eventually got bunk beds, and we eventually uh, got did, uh, yeah. it got furnished. Eventually, I don't know how that happened. I don't remember uh, how that happened. I vaguely remember putting the bunk beds up, very vaguely. But I think the um, the the wardrobes were built in, were they? Or I think they were. Yeah. yeah. That was all there was was built in wardrobes and bunk beds. We didn't have much furniture that I can remember. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was in the the tatami mat was on the floor, right? Uh-huh. And we had the bunk beds yeah. in the on the tatami in the tatami room, yeah. and the walls were basically paper. Yes. Yeah. Well, quite thin. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the bathroom? No, I don't remember the bathroom at all. It had it had uh, there was a room next to it with a bit with a with an ofuro. It's I think that's what it was called, an ofuro. Yeah. Oh no, I don't remember that at all. Okay. But I, we probably couldn't afford to use it because we were on such a tight budget. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> 
it, it didn't appeal to me really to to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I loved Ofuro because when I was uh, when I was my first months in Japan, um, I just adored the Ofuro. I would use it every day. It's yeah. I know we should explain what that is. What is it? Oh, it's a big yeah. it's a big bathtub. Well, it's it's not big. It's square. And one person can crouch down inside an ofuro, typically. Um, so you fill it up to about halfway with water, and the water gets heated by an element in the ofuro. And, uh, and before you use it, you wash yourself down completely and scrub off all, you exfoliate and, and bathe. And then so it's not a bathtub. Week, it's not a bathtub. No, it's not a bathtub. You don't wash okay. yourself in it. Um, you get in when the water is usually super hot. Um, it's supposed to be like scalding hot so that when you step into it, you're smart. And, oh, okay, okay. And, and then you, the, the way to use it is you're all washed off, you, you step into the ofuro and you sit straight down in the water and, of course, the water rises up and fills. Uh -huh. So you're covered, you're covered with water and, um, and you're cooking in there. <laughs> you don't, you don't stay in there uh, Throw a few potatoes and carrots in there with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you only stay in three or four minutes and then you, you get out and you, all your pores are open and some people take a, a cold shower after that, but okay. I never did. Okay. Okay, so we, uh, we got there and people start, I remember people coming in uh, slowly. You came after we got there. You were about a week or two after we got there, and then oh really? Yeah, you came in, and because Tom and I were there, the John showed up, and uh, uh, people just started coming. Oh, I remember. Um, Kalafi was the school director, uh -huh. and and he had got the whole ball rolling, and he mm -hmm. had invited the staff members. So Kalafi was not there all the time. Uh, the people who ran the school were staff um there were three staff and one was steve and then there was rachel from malaysia and there was um betty from the u.s and steve yeah. was from the u.s as well betty was and canadian so, i think we better make that clear she was canadian so that she doesn't oh my goodness you better edit that out too <laughs> i had yeah. i didn't know betty was canadian yeah yeah i don't know why i remember that um but i mm. do i think I th there was we we've talked a little bit before before this this call, but there was some uh, um, oh I don't know what you would call it. People were very very anxious to if they weren't Americans to let people know that they weren't. There was some stigma attached to being an American. I think uh, uh, which was which I understand and I get and I see I see it more now and I understand it. But then it was like. Why wouldn't you want to be an American? <laughs> Don't you all want to be Americans? <laughs> We're the greatest country in the world. Uh, yeah. <laughs> even even the accents. We were talking about different accents, and I in, in my in my head, I was thinking, well, Americans don't have an accent. <laughs> um, <laughs> we speak. The That's right. a very American thing to yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> we we speak it. You know, we speak just plain English, and everybody else is kind of put their own little twist on, on speak English. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Coming from a small town, uh, you know, mostly uh, one race, you know, one, one, yep. mostly, you know, the Euro European 
white yeah. Caucasian. Well, yeah. I guess that's something that we need to say about that time, because I know uh, I grew up, and even though Australia is quite multicultural, and the city that I was in was quite multicultural, it was still still kind of emerging from this moni- monoculturalism. Because mm-hmm. um, that was, you know, this is in the yeah, 80s. yeah, and and so we had not developed nearly as much monoculture, uh, sorry, um, multicultural kind of culture as mm-hmm. as there is today, where you can go and have a, a meal from just about any culture in your, right. in your city. Right. It wasn't yeah. like that then. It was not. It really wasn't. Okay, so we had these different people filtering into the school and yeah. coming, and we were slowly building up. We were getting bunk beds and stuff. I remember who was in our room with us. We had a small room. It was probably, what, 10 by 10, if it was that big. Yeah, it was small. And were all of us guys, single guys, in the same room? I think we were. I think we were. Yeah. I remember. So that's Tom, yeah. yourself, um, John, myself. Um, who else was there? Lendon? Lendon. Lendon. Yeah. I pictured two sets of bunk beds with a space in the middle. And there were two, two, you know, four people on, in the bunk beds. Tom was in the closet. Oh, that's right. I forgot he actually lived there. (laughs) His bed was in there. He was really happy to be in there too. It gave him some privacy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that was his space. Yeah, because <laughs> that puts you, me, John, Lyndon, Tom in Tom. there. Yeah, the first person, the person who picked us up at the airport, John. It was Tom and I. Uh, was was Rachel? Rachel picked us up. I recall yeah. Rachel as being very serious. Do you remember it? Do you recall her that way? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, it's part of her personality, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah. In serious, yeah. By, you mean, do you mean like too serious? No, no. I just, um, I, I like to smile a lot. She didn't smile very much. And that, that's how <laughs> I. Smile I you shouldn't smile. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> when I'm being nailed to a cross, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and she was kind of the first, okay, this is different. She, I would smile at her and she wouldn't smile back. And right. that, which was kind of odd for me. It was not mm-hmm. anything to do with her. It was just mm-hmm. a, it was, it was a cultural difference or just me cultural in the sense that she was Malaysian, but also she was different than I was. And yeah. And then there was, there was Betty and Betty was um, (laughs) the opposite of Rachel. Yeah. Betty would, Betty would laugh at almost anything and usually be the, usually joke about herself and joke about others. Yeah. Yeah. but, But very dedicated. Um, I I do recall Betty struggling with with the whole idea of being part of leading a whole team herself. Okay. I don't know if you recall that, but I know she had to work through that. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember that at all about her. Uh she always seemed very confident in and maybe I remember her saying something, but I was, you know, I was 
there was so much going on in my head at that time. It didn't, it didn't become, I wasn't mm. thinking about her well-being. She was, she was my leader. So she, mm. you know, she should have it together. <laughs> and what, <laughs> and that's was a, your, what was your impression of um, the, the leadership when we first met them, you know, as kind of like mm. um, being on the same page, having a purpose and a, and a design in what, what they plan to do in the school? Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 my major recollection of the beginning of the school was when the team, the leadership team, pulled us together and announced that there was an agenda of this school. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, out of this school, God has spoken to us that we are going to send uh, teams um, to... I can't remember ex the exact framework, but but it had. I have the memory that that it that it rang of something more permanent than just an outreach. Mm, yeah, I remember that too. Yeah. And that well, we were going to uh, countries that would. I can't remember if they told us the countries right at the beginning, but we were going specifically to countries. And we were creating this new thing I, that may have come later, but new thing called neighbors do you remember remember that no, i think that came later okay jay because we had a big discussion about what it was going to be called and okay all, all right thing. okay yeah but yeah that was a big part of the school yeah that that horrified me <laughs> i was horrified when i heard that when that came out it's like well when it's not going to be a typical school when i can do three months outreach like we normally do it's going to be yes. more of a permanent thing and yes. I was horrified by that. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Whereas, you know, for me, that was—I mean, I was on the, uh, at the beginning of this huge adventure with God, and you know, wow, God is just changing everything for me and taking me. I felt like I was being <laughs> transported, you know, really by God into my future. Yeah, and yeah. So it was all exciting that, for you, right? It was. Yeah. yeah, I just had to go with the flow, kind of thing. That's all mm -hmm. I had to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was, it was challenging. It was challenging to hear that. Yeah. That they actually came with an agenda. They came yeah. with a plan, and um, and well, that was like both challenging and exciting at the same time. Yeah, and, and well, looking back at it, it's like well. And, and knowing what you and I have both done with our lives, you know, since then, it, it's 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 amazing how God brought us to that particular school with those particular people to get us yeah. on board with what He was doing and why He created us, why He'd given us life, and what He yeah. wanted us to do with that life. Yeah. Uh, it and it, like we talked a little bit last week about how how life seems chaotic, then you look back and you see how God has ordered it. You know, yeah. and I look back and see God's divine hand in all of that. We hope you're enjoying the YWAM Factor. If you are, let us know by hitting that subscribe button. Yeah. And I remember being on the third floor of that apartment building, just miserable after hearing this news. It's like, this is, this might turn into something more than just a brief stint overseas and then back home and <laughs> standing there and thinking I'm just miserable and looking over the balcony at the ground and thinking, why don't I just jump off? 
<laughs> really? I yeah, I remember thinking that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's like, I'm just going to jump off of here and, and end this, you know, and then I, you know, then I thought, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. But, but, um, because I'm, you know, I might just get maimed. I might not die. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I was, I was, it was, it was that kind of desperation. It was uh, trying, feeling caught up in something that I didn't, couldn't control. Yeah. And it was an uncomfortable feeling for me, to say the least. Right. And I had to come to some grips uh, to, to, and there was a point then during this school where I came to grips with, okay, if this is God, what God's doing with me, I'm just going to go with him. And then everything, it, I, I, I waffled, I went up and down, you know, I, when I made that decision, I'm just going to follow God now. Uh, a tremendous burden was lifted off of me, yes. but, but I, I would still have days of feeling what am I doing, you know, and yes. still have days of fear. And for me, I think that that came a little bit later. Okay. But, um, but I mean, that's, that is the struggle of life, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's, it's who's in charge, who's in yeah. control. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, Jesus wants to be Lord and not just, uh, not just savior. Yeah. 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 And, and we tend to, to give him pieces of our life mm. rather than the whole thing, you know, and the things we consider valuable, we hold back from him. We can't, we, we can't willingly say it's, it's a, again, I think it's a spiritual skill. I think you learn how to give things over to him as you, as you move mm. along through the life and, and he reveals different parts of your life that you haven't yielded to him. And, yeah. you know, because I remember Keith Green saying something like, well, you know, I, my life is, com God, I was yielding my life completely to God. And then God said to me, well, what about, what about your uh, finances? Oh, you want that? <laughs> yeah. What about your kids? Yeah. Oh, you, you all want that too. <laughs> yes. What about, what about your life? What about your call? What about, you know, your, where, where you live, how you live? Uh, you want all that too? <laughs> wow. Yes. Okay. Uh, I got to think about yeah. this one. <laughs> yeah. And it just, there's just different areas of your life that God God continues to reveal that He wants He wants mm. to control. I, I remember envying you so much that you went to the ICT. Oh, really? Um, oh, I loved Keith Green. Oh, okay, um, okay. And uh, I only found out a bit about Keith Green when I got saved, and and of course I got I was new Christian in Japan, and and I went to a Christian bookstore to buy a Bible. Uh, and while I was there, I wanted to get some Christian worship music. And, and I had no idea who was who because I was brand uh -huh. new. But I just happened to buy Keith Green. Um, wow. Wow. They were the, <laughs> Do you remember what uh, album it was? No, I don't okay, remember yeah, which one. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it just blew me away. I loved it. And I loved his spirit. And, yeah. and um and when I heard that you had been to an ICT, I thought, wow, imagine going to where Keith Green was and Melody Green and yeah. just experiencing yeah. all of that. It would be so cool. Yeah. It, it was a good experience there. Uh, um, Keith was gone, you know, by that point. Yes, but, yeah, yeah. But uh, the, the ministry still had a real strong vitality to it. And they released mm -hmm. one of his albums while I was there. It was coming out... Um, Jesus commands us to go was the name of the album, 
and we got to listen to it before it came out as an ICT and we we worshiped to it in this in in one of the rooms I, I remember that really clearly that was really a a great experience yeah yeah yeah, yeah so we so. had um we had like Kalafi was as I said he was the school director yeah and but he wasn't there all the time but right. I do remember I do remember his influence he was massively influential at least yeah. on me and I presume on on you and the others as well oh yeah he's the reason I went to Japan yeah oh really yeah oh, I didn't know that yeah um, I liked him so much speak I... somewhere or something yeah he spoke at our ICT he came live and he was there oh, right and he right. they called him at ICT uh, one of the guys said we call him the human vacuum cleaner because he comes and he recruits people and <laughs> and I got sucked up in that vacuum I guess wow. Tom and I did Tom and I did yeah okay yeah, yeah I um uh I can't remember if I knew Kalafi before DSOE because he was stationed in Japan okay. but I think uh, I was at Yokohama where the DTS was okay he he was planting this base you know, at Yotskaido where the yeah. SOE was. Yeah. So I don't think we got to see him. And of course he taught in our school. Yeah. But he, he wasn't the director. Okay. So, okay. So yeah, he, yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, he was from Tonga. Yeah. An islander. Yeah. Very yes. big, very big yes. and uh, very strong, very muscular, very, yeah. and with an intimidating, intimidating, I, I don't know if it's intimidating, but a very strong presence, very charismatic presence. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. very much so. You you were attracted to him. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Japanese and, people just loved him. Oh yes, and yeah. and I think he made everybody feel very much at ease. Mm -hmm. um, he, you felt you felt like even though he was this great guy that that did amazing, uh, radical things even yeah. every day. Yeah. You know, I think that that you 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 should be intimidated by someone like that or you'd think you would be yeah but he wouldn't like that at all anybody could go talk to him yeah yeah i had i remember a talk with him i had when i was feeling homesick i had a i asked if i could talk with him and i sat down and i told him you know i i, I i'm just not feeling i'm feeling homesick i i want to i want to leave um and he looked at me straight in the eyes and he said he said, look, um, God's got a call in your life. And he said, in this right now, this period is very, very, I don't know if he said it this eloquently or not, but this is a very, very key period for you. And you've got to lick this problem now because you've got a life ahead of you where God's going to use you in lots of different ways. And you've got to lick this homesickness and this longing for, for comfort and familiarity. You need to lick it now. And, and that was, that was key in, in me changing too, you know, um, me, uh, just changing my, um, uh, mentality towards this. Yeah. And, and he was this, uh, bigger than life kind of radical guy who would just do anything that God told you. And we we're always thinking, what is, what is Kalafi going to say next? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, and he would say, we're going to go down and we're going to do this today. Uh -huh. you know, yeah, something yeah. That we'd all be I've saying. forgotten I that, but really, yeah. I don't know if we really want to do that, you know. <laughs> like, 
and, and I'd be shaking in my boots and we'd all kind of crowd in like like a herd of like a flock of ducks you know mm -hmm. behind behind Kalafi he was the point guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'd all hope that he'd do something that would make it easier for us what um now okay so so we're looking at the the people in the school the students in the school we have the U.S. we have Canada we have Australia we have Malaysia we have um, Papua New Guinea um, Japan Japan and I think that's about it yeah that's about that's about it and then yeah, yeah. Uh, all these different cultures uh, yes. all together um, all these with different Christian backgrounds different Christian experiences uh, how did that go for you I mean what how, how do you how did you find that meeting um, different people like that I was um, I don't recall I mean I, I remember that of course the majority were Americans and okay and uh, I I I don't recall struggling with with culture um, too much okay um, with the other cultures there Mm -hmm. um, I loved being in Japan, so Japanese culture did not did not phase me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think just what what being with all those other cultures did mm -hmm. was was forced us to um, to confront issues that you might not face if you're all, all if you all think exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. And so so there's perspectives that people from Asia might have that are very different to um, people who are brought up in Western educated cultures. Right, exactly, um, yeah. And, yeah. And there's differences even between Western educated cultures like America and Australia. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so those, <laughs> those, I think those interactions are really healthy and good. Yeah. Um, but I don't recall myself personally having any cultural struggles as such. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I remember, I, I remember little things like, like, uh, Rachel would say interpreter instead of interpreter, you know, <laughs> and I would tease her about that. And she would, she would, she was good natured about it. She would laugh too. You know, I remember London saying hippotamus instead of hippopotamus. <laughs> the, just those little things that, that stood out to me that were funny, you know, uh, but yeah. um, I don't recall well, any. Len, I wonder how it was for Lendon, although he yeah. had quite a history with YWAM. He but, did. Um, but I, I wonder how it was from him being the only guy from from Papua New Guinea. Yeah. That must yeah have been that, quite... He was also older, I think, too, wasn't yes, he? Yes, he was. Yeah. 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 It was comforting to have him. I felt very comfortable around him. Yes, Lendon was the, it was the kind of like, he was the, the the mature one yeah. amongst us. He yeah. had a lot of Christian experience. He had been a pastor. Yeah. And and so, you know, we would he was my go-to guy if I wanted to <laughs> if I wanted to um to ask a question about anything. You know, I would yeah. go to learn. And then so we had um so that's Rachel and Betty and Kalafi and we had Steve as well. Yeah. And Steve was the kind of guy who put everybody at ease. He was uh, he was there every day with us. He was, um, and uh, a very experienced leader. 
yeah. somebody with a lot of respect in in the subcontinent. Yeah, and so, um, so he was just a, an excellent guy to have at the at the head of things. Mm-hmm. And he then he had as his co leaders these two opposites. Yeah. <laughs> of, Betty and Rachel, <laughs> Rachel being, as you were mentioning earlier, the the kind of serious one, the more serious one. Yeah. And Betty being the, the kind of vivacious extrovert one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Steve yeah. in the middle trying to control them both. Yeah. yeah. We have a photo of Steve that we should put up from, from the SOE that kind of tells you the kind of guy exactly who yeah. he is. <laughs> we'll get those up. Yeah. We'll get those up this week. So you can see those. Yeah. yeah. It was, um, yeah, the, um, I remember John, Cindy and I, John was an American from Indiana. Cindy was from Malaysia, Chinese and, mm-hmm. and, uh, me, you know, and, uh, we, we three kind of hung or hung around together. And even, even when we got to Pakistan, it kind of was that way too. But, but, um, I remember one time we were in our little uh, apartment, John, Cindy, and I. We were praying for. We were praying about uh, John and I didn't want to wear glasses anymore, so we were praying that God would heal our eyes so that we didn't have to wear glasses anymore. <laughs> and, and it just it went on and on, and we just started talking. And it was really late. I don't know, maybe one in the morning. I don't know how late it really was. But Steve came in then, and he was like. He was frustrated about something, which I never, I never saw him that way hardly at all. Oh. But something, something had been going on. He'd been in a meeting or something, and he came and he said, "Oh, you know, Cindy, you need to leave. It's too late for you to be here." And we were all like horrified, you know. Okay, yeah, Cindy, get out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but he was right. I mean, it was too late for for us to be hanging out, you know, together. In uh, and so he. So I remember that pretty clearly, and I appreciated that directness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I just remember having an off uh, uh, an awful lot of respect for Steve. Yeah. And, and I think we all did. You know, we just loved the guy, and uh, because and that's why he's such a great leader. Yeah. You know, he 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 um, is so open and so um, engenders trust. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So yeah, he he was a great guy to have as the head of of that school particularly because I think it was quite a new and radical school. It was. It was. Um, We were not your usual, you know. Um, um, I can't remember if we were recording earlier when we talked about the the school, the leaders coming with an agenda. I think we were recording. Okay. Um, And... So that that's not typical for a school to go beyond the three months to have a plan beyond no. three months that was looking more long term. Yeah, um, yeah. And looking not at not at at going and running more DTSs or more SOEs, but looking at reaching a people group. Yeah, I think in the last podcast you talked about how you had money because you've been working and you'd saved up. Yes. Uh, and but and you had money up until to pay for the lecture, three-month lecture phase in Japan, but you didn't have money for the outreach. That's right. Okay. Why don't you talk a little bit about what happened at the end of our outreach phase for you? Sure. And and, yeah, the the end of the lecture phase for me was was lecture phase. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. 
um, it was quite traumatic, mm -hmm. um, but I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um, yes, I had, I had saved money that had carried me through to the lecture phase. I could pay out of my savings for the mm -hmm. lecture phase of the SOE, and, but not for the outreach phase. Okay. That we had to we had to raise money, and I believe my me if my memory is right, that it was close to two thousand U.S. dollars. Yeah, something like that. That we needed each. Yeah. Yeah. In order to get, and the plan of the lecture phase was to go from Japan to Hong Kong, where we were going to do a trip in into China, mm -hmm. carrying Bibles, mm -hmm. and then from Hong Kong on to. Calcutta, mm -hmm. and we spend a month in India, and then from there to Pakistan. Okay. Um, so it was around two thousand dollars, and and uh, I didn't have any any of it, and okay. I had no means of income. I had, when I got to the end of my my own savings, I I thought this is it. You know what? Yeah. Am, what am I going to do? Yeah. What am I going to do from here on? And um, and as I had learned in YWAM, well, you 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 trust and you obey, and um, and so I just kept doing what I what I was doing, and yeah, and um, I I already knew that I was supposed to go to Pakistan, and so um, I felt like God had made it so clear that therefore He would provide. Mm -hmm. And so I was praying and praying, and different ones had given to me. I, I, I'm pretty sure Tom had given me some money. I know you gave me some money, and probably others that I don't even know about um, who were part of the school gave yeah. me money. Yeah. Um, and that brought my, my um, costs down to about a thousand US dollars. So already amazing, you know? Yeah. In those days, a thousand US dollars was a whole lot of money. Yeah. How did that last thousand dollars come in? Well, that was another. If you if we put up that picture of Steve with yeah. his craziness, uh -huh. um, the lady standing next to him, her name was Julie Khan, and she was on staff at the base where we were at the time. Okay. And she and I got on really well together. Yeah, I remember She's, that. Yeah. Yeah, she she was an American, and she um, and uh. Uh, we were praying right up until the last day. We were told we've got to have the money today. If we don't have the money today, we can't buy the airline tickets. Uh -huh. And so I was fasting and praying and just trusting God. And it was the morning of the last day. And sitting in wherever I was in our room, I think, and, and um, Julie came running into the room, this crazy woman, and said, and and I was I knew Julie, you know, and yeah. she was she was kind of a crazy person. So I said, I said, not funny, Julie, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, and 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 I, you know, I said, well, she carried on, you know, she was quite excited. And I said, well, what are you talking about? What happened? And so she told me the story of her friend in the states, who. Uh, I think like weeks before had received a tax return okay. of a thousand US dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, he didn't know what to do with it. He, so he just put it aside and, and, but God was on his case. 
Yeah. And he said to him, no, look, I want you to give this money to mission. And he said, well, I don't know any missionaries. I guess he didn't consider Julie to be a missionary. I don't know. But, um, but, but he said, I don't know any missionaries. He put it aside again, and God was on his case again and said, no, I want you to give it to a missionary named Alan. Oh, my gosh. That, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And he said, I don't know any missionaries named Alan. Yeah. And so he said the only person he knew who was overseas was Julie. Okay. And so he contacted Julie and he said, look, do you know any missionaries named Alan that need money? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so the result of that was her running into the room, you know, like crazy and saying, you've got the money. Yeah. So, um, so obviously he sent the money and, um, and that was what really paved my way to, wow. to go from there onto the outreach. All right. Well, okay. Well, I'll see you next Monday. Is it next Monday? We will be back and to all of our listeners, uh, wait in anticipation and we will be, uh, getting into some pretty, uh, pretty interesting stuff, stuff as we get into the subcontinent and what it was like to to serve God there, to follow God into that situation. Uh, So thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next Mm. week. Thanks for joining us today on the YWAM Factor podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. It really helps us out. See you next time.